This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What is up, everybody? American Toffee Podcast. We're back for our seventh episode of the summer. We are, it is, uh, it's Monday, July 15th, and conveniently enough, we planned this, uh, the perfect timing for some big news that just recently broke, which we'll get into in a little bit, but we are joined, of course, as always, by Alex, and we have, as a guest today, very special guest, we have Jeff Walner. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. So this is, uh, again, another little behind the scenes. We had a previously recorded uh, episode with Jeff and Adam from Cincy Toffees, who's been on the show as well. Um, and we had tech difficulties that prevented us from ever releasing it. So we're giving it another go with Jeff, and I think things are going to go much more smoothly this time. Yeah, luckily Jeff is uh, nice enough to <laughs> take another hour out of his out of his busy schedule to record with us. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, much appreciated. Okay, well, I guess we'll just get right into it, guys. The big news of the day, which has been kind of brewing, much like many of the transfers we've done so far under the brand's tenure, kind of just popped up. And then within a few days, the deal was done. It is a Fabian Delph signing from Manchester City on a three-year deal, rumored to be an $8.5 million fee, rising potentially to, to $10 million with potential add-ons. And... For me, I think it's a fantastic signing, but I'll throw it over to Jeff first to to give him the first word on on the signing of Delph. I think it's an excellent piece of business, uh, especially if the reports are true that it is around uh, the eight to ten million range. Um, I think concerns about where he'll play and how much he'll play. Uh, I'm really not concerned about that. I honestly, I, that's up to Marco Silva where he fits into where he fits into this club. But the bottom line is this is, this is a quality player who's only 29 years old. He has champions league experience. He's, he's been on back-to-back title winners. Um, he's versatile. Um, I believe a uh, 20 appearances, six in the midfield and 14 at, at fullback. Um, he's excellent passer he's he's just he's quality all around uh the intangibles are there from what from what i've read and heard uh this is a guy who can add leadership uh, he can add experience and he'll make the guys around him better um and i think for again for for this price uh i think it's i think it's a fantastic piece of piece of business i really have to agree with you it's it's a no-brainer at the price at his resume, specifically over the last four to five years, he was also the captain for Aston Villa before he signed for City. Um, and he's been at City for, I think, four or five years now. But on top of the price and that sort of thing, I, th- I see a lot of people on social media getting bent out of shape, talking about, oh, Brand said that he wants players 25, 26 and under to continue to call the squad of the old dead weight. But in reality, though, you still have to sign quality players at good prices when you can. And, and someone put it a different way on Twitter earlier that I saw that I think made a ton of sense. When you sell Besic and you sell McCarthy, their transfer fees buy you Fabian Delph. He can cover both of their positions. We just sold Anthony Robinson not to jump the gun to Wigan, who was, you know, 
a young left back. He can also play left back. And so I think you're offloading, or ideally we're going to offload two, two players. Most likely the transfer fees can kind of sum up to pretty close to what we paid for Delph. And I think him being in the locker room and on the pitch for us and his versatility are going to be absolutely necessary. Very well put by the both of you, and and I am in complete agreement. There's, I was honestly very surprised to see the amount of fume that was going on in the Twitter sphere. And of course, no matter what, there's always going to be people who disagree with what's going on. But Marcel Brands has yet to put a finger wrong in any of his transfer dealings. And for me, a player of Fabian Delft's quality, who you know, there's there's no shame in not being a regular in a probably the deepest squad maybe in world football at large in Manchester city. And he was a mainstay for them, did a really important job for them in their season uh, two seasons ago when they, when they surpassed a hundred points, all of the indications I've seen from city fans is that we're getting one heck of a player who there, frankly, there seems to be kind of just a shock that we got him for the price. And the price is kind of the sticking point, right? Because Fabian Delph for 25 million is not, really great, not good business in really anyone's book for a player who's still in his prime, but will shortly be over 30 years old at 8 million, eight and a half million. That is just remarkable business for an inter premier league transfer in today's market, where you're looking at Harry Maguire going for 80 million. Of course, he's a very young center back and, and the premiums there, whatever, what, what have you. But for me, it just leadership replaces you know, he's a, he's captain Aston Villa. He's done a lot for Manchester city. I believe he's captain England as well. So the leadership that we're kind of lacking now with Phil, Phil Jagielka and a lot of the more senior players departing, it just, it just makes perfect sense. And like you said, Alex, you can't just build an entire team out of 23, 24 year olds. You have to have that mixture. That is what really allows you to be successful. And so, so I just am really pleased with the signing. It's not the blockbuster signings that we've kind of been rumored, seen floated around, but Overall, a good bit of business. And I think looking back uh, after he scores like some remarkable screamer in the Derby or something like that, I think everyone will kind of have come around on him. The, the comment uh, that Marcel Brands made is honestly is probably not a wise comment for him to make because players come in all shapes and sizes and all different ages. And, and as you said, he is he is well aware of the of the value that a guy like Fabian Delph brings at age 29. And a lot of what I saw uh, in terms of comments from from a lot of fans were concerns that, well, he's not coming. He's not coming here not to play, not to start. Then, okay, if that's the case, who is he replacing? And they were talking about Ghana and trying to figure out where Fabian Delph fits in. Well, at some point, you have to start building depth. And of all of Everton's all of the holes in Everton's roster over the past few years, a big one is quality players coming off the bench. Every top side has them. And at some point you have to build depth. So to the people that say, well, Fabian Delph isn't coming here and not going to play. Well, first of all, he's going to play. There's no question. He's going to play regularly, but if he's coming off the bench from time to time, He's giving you extraordinary value in that role, and and every top side has quality players on the bench. So, uh, again, I, I think it uh, uh, well done, Marcel Brands, and now um, we've got him in. So now let's move on. So I'd also like to remind everyone: the last time we purchased a central midfielder, surplus to requirements for Manchester City, his name was Gareth Barry. 
at 33 years old, four years older than Fabian Delph. And I think we can all agree that he did a absolutely fantastic job at Everton. And so if it works out anywhere near how Gareth Barry did, then I think we will all be very, very happy with it. Yeah, I think this is one where I think his presence will be immediately felt in the locker room and he's going to give us that extra edge in training. And, you know, coming from playing under Pep Guardiola for three or four years, you know, he's picked up a trick or two. His his IQ for the game is probably increased tremendously. And he's going to just he's going to help a lot of those young players continue to develop in that. Like Tom Davies, I think, is a player that's going to really benefit from a presence of a player like Fabian Delph. And we know that Tom Davies, you know, development has kind of stagnated in the last couple of years. Maybe this is the year that, you know, having a senior player like that alongside him will help him kick on and really push him in training because, you know, now if if Tom Davies isn't in our starting 11, which I don't think he is as it stands, now he has that extra little bit of competition that maybe he's not even the first midfielder off the bench. And so that just is going to make him uh, have to work all the harder and improve all the more. You know, James, I was actually about to bring up Tom Davies right when I heard that we signed Fabian Delph. And actually, right when we I heard we signed Andre Gomez on a permanent, the first thing that came to mind was Tom Davies. And that is because we've all been hoping that he was going to start breaking in, you know, uh, start showing a little bit more when he subs on or maybe when he gets the start. And now all of a sudden we signed another central midfielder in Fabian Delph, who I don't think anyone can argue is a better player than Tom Davies in the present, you know, July 15th, 2019. However, we talked about this a little bit already, and Tom Davies mentioned it again. In the youth setup, Tom Davies played as an attacking midfielder. The last couple years, he's been playing, or they've been deploying him as kind of a box-to-box player. And I think that's shown him uh, much more reserved in his play style. Now, Dow went out on loan, which we'll talk about, but I wonder if this is kind of showing that Marco Silva is going to push Tom Davies up towards being you know, a more often substitute for maybe Gilfie Sigurdsson or, or just an attacking substitute as opposed to a box-to-box like central midfield holding midfielder type of role. But the next thing on the agenda, we'll, we'll discuss briefly the uneventful scoreless draw against FC Sion. Um, I unfortunately was not able to catch the match. I saw some of the highlights. Jeff did watch it. Apparently, uh, chilling poolside with his family he had this his the game up on his phone that sounds like a pretty good little uh little setup yeah if uh if if ever to not is on i'm typically watching so somehow some way so in this case it was uh yeah, trying to uh get my cell phone screen to cooperate with the bright sun and the glare <laughs> but uh yeah i did watch um and I thought uh, it was interesting. I, I, I always think preseason is is interesting just because of the creat- creativity of the lineups and uh, the different combinations that you'll never, ever see again. <laughs> so I think people uh, tend to overreact to what they see in uh, preseason friendlies because uh, you, you just simply aren't going to see this group of players together at any point during the season. But uh, I thought uh, I thought it was an it was really uneventful, as you said, for the most part. Uh, Everton could have won this match 3-0, 4-0. Sigurdsson had a couple of Sigurdsson-like class strikes, and one went off the crossbar and one went off the post. Um, and uh, Nias missed a, a good opportunity. I believe in, early in the first half there was a goal 
called back uh, on offsides, but Scion did not uh, have, did not do much of anything. They barely had uh, a spell of possession after the first uh, few minutes. Um, but Andre Gomes really looked good, um, it, it, which comes no surprise to anyone, but the fact that uh, it's early in preseason and uh, he, he was um, really, really quality uh, with the ball and uh, played with a lot of energy and, um, so it, it, it was good. It was interesting. Uh, it was interesting to see, uh, Nias out there in the starting lineup and some other guys that are probably being, uh, showcased, um, for, uh, perhaps their, their next steps. But, uh, uh, as I said, Sigurdsson was in there and active. Gomes looked sharp. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot else to add other than, uh, if I was playing in that match, it would have been hard to concentrate because the scenery is just amazing. I'm sure you saw the, the some of the photos and videos that uh, that Everton had put out there, but just what an incredible sight for football. It was just amazing. But uh, but yeah, moving on, and uh, hopefully as more players get in, and I understand uh, Fabian Delph has joined the squad, so uh, as we get deeper into the preseason, it becomes more meaningful, as it does with most sports. Uh, but, uh, yeah, really not much to add to, uh, that scoreless draw in uh, beautiful Switzerland. I was able to catch about 30 minutes in the second half and something I noted other than Sigurdsson, obviously looking kind of like a class above Nathan Broadhead played actually most of the match and he was playing right wing moving up from, I believe the U23s and he looked pretty pretty class. I mean, I liked his technique. He looked like he had a couple of skills in his locker. He doesn't have a whole lot of pace though, specifically for a winger. And it looks like the general consensus on social media, talking to people on the discord on Twitter was that he looks set to be ready for possibly a championship loan move this season, which I think would be really beneficial. Yeah. He seems like one that's really, a lot of these U23 players are that are, that are currently training with the first team squad at just seems like they're very much primed for loan moves out to the championship or league one. Um, I, I did like Jeff's point on uh, the the bizarre combinations of players. So Jeff, you mean to tell me that Kevin Morales will not be our starting right back come the start of the season? Is that, I, is that what you're trying to yeah, I almost commented. It's that some, someone was, there, there were discussions going on in regard to the, to the starting lineup, obviously. And uh, I was going to comment that, you know, if, if at any point this season, we do see that combination out there. That means something catastrophic happened in terms of injuries or suspensions or something. So, but yeah. no, I do not anticipate that. Yeah, we're, we'd be in a uh, DEFCON one type of situation. It'd be all hands on deck. That's that's a that's a situation I hope to never see play. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, so so that's building up. And and actually, I did just want to touch on one quick thing because I read an article uh, Everton.com just had a quick chat with Gilfie Sigurdsson and he did mention like the level that the players are at is not where they'd like to be as far as performance in the games. And he, he attributed, attributed that largely to the fact that they're in like full out conditioning training every single day now. So you have to think like these games, they're not, it's not like during the season where you'd rest and, and maybe have some strategic planning beforehand. Like they're going all out trying to get their fitness levels as high as they can, because th- this is the time to do it. And I guess so now we've got the um, the Monaco friendly coming up on Friday, which should be actually, I think, kind of when we start to see things start to ramp up. I believe I saw something about Marco Silva's has them two a day sessions, two sessions per day. Right. I believe. Yes, I saw that too. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so get those boys fit. Let's get them everyone healthy for the start of the season. Fingers crossed um, that we can maintain those fitness levels. I did see Andre Gomez might be missing the beginning of the season, but, but I'm not totally sure on that. Um, but yeah, on, on to the next topic we did want to, since we have Jeff and Jeff is a certified capital J journalist. Um, we did want to kind of get your perspective on what it's been like for you covering, you know, American sports, because, it seems like in America, the the players are forced, you know, or encouraged strongly to engage with the media on a more regular basis, which is something that you don't really see overseas. So maybe, Jeff, is that something that you could speak to a little bit? Yeah, it's something uh, that I really wasn't aware of until I started uh, uh, following Everton closely and becoming a, a f- putting my fan hat on versus my journalism hat. And it was interesting to me, and especially the past few seasons where Everton has gone through those stretches where things are really not going well. And, and as a journalist, um, you kind of hone in on, you kind of hone in on that and you want to know, okay, what is going on? with this team. And in America, if you had a team that's on an extended losing streak, um, you'll have the opportunity to speak in baseball. You'd have the opportunity to speak to the manager on just about a daily basis um, before every game Um, in the NFL. Maybe it's uh, once or twice a week, Um, but you'd be able to ask those questions and you would have access to the locker room and you would be getting the player's perspective. You might even, in some cases, be getting the general manager's perspective, maybe in some cases, the owner's perspective. And it's interesting to me how little information is coming out um, during those stretches, whether the team's going really well or whether they're going really bad. And there were some stretches for Everton, as we know, over the past few years where things are really, really going bad. And you want to know as a fan, um, is there an issue with chemistry? Uh, is, are there disagreements with between the players and, and the manager about how, um, who's, who's in the starting 11, how, what combinations are being used? Are there players that are unhappy about playing time and, and, and so forth? Um, and you just simply do not get that content. And interesting to find out, and I've over the years developed relationships with uh, some of the reporters at the Liverpool Echo, and um, it's interesting some of the chats that we have, and you learn a little bit about how different it is. And to the point where they have embargoes over there. Now, I know what an embargo is because, um, for example, the Cincinnati Reds, who I cover, if they have players that are named for the all-star team, they will announce who made the all-star team early in the day. So we'll have the opportunity to ask them questions about that after the game. But we can't publish those quotes or release who was named to the all-star team because Major League Baseball or ESPN or whoever it might be has their big special that evening and they, they want to announce the teams. But come to find out that in, the, in England, they have embargoes after every game and that quotes are obtained, cannot be used sometimes until the following day. Uh, and what, the, what happens is, and you've seen this, it forces them to take what little content they get and stretch it out to make it a bigger deal. For example, 
Andre Gomes uh, during um, maybe the, the the rumors about him signing a long-term deal will say something like, I enjoyed my time at Everton, and it gets blown up to Andre Gomes wants to stay at Everton for the next 20 years. Uh, and it's because of the limited amount of content that is available to them and the limited amount of access. And it's really evident now during the transfer window because because of the lack of access that you have to the directors of football, to the manager, and certainly to the players, um, you just throw things at the wall and and as often as you can, and you just see what sticks. Um, and when I first started following Everton, I was just reading everything. Well, after couple seasons, you figure out that 80% of it has no basis whatsoever. Um, but it can be very frustrating, but it's interesting for me because I have both perspectives. I have an emotional investment in Everton and, and the business that Everton's doing. And during the season, I have an emotional investment in whether Everton is winning or losing. So I want to know why, and I want to hear more from the players, and I, I want to know what's going on in the locker room and what the relationship is between the players and the manager. You simply don't get that. Yeah, no, all very interesting points. And the embargo is actually something um, that I know a little bit about, or Alex and I both know a little bit about, because it was touched on. Um, we did an interview with John Clegg, who is a Wall Street Journal editor and wrote recently wrote a book, which if you haven't listened to the episode with John, uh, go back and listen to it because it's, you know, it's evergreen. You can listen to it whenever. It was really interesting just talking about some of those things, but it talks about how, you know, all these clubs close up shop and they really don't want anything leaking out. And I wonder if that sort of stems from the fact that, you know, in the MLB or even in any American pro sport, you have kind of the owners where they're all somewhat unified and they all, you know, they're all work together to benefit the league. And there's this kind of collective idea that like, if the league benefits, then everyone benefits. Whereas in English soccer or in even European football in general, there's a much more like individualistic, every man for himself, doggy dog world uh, mentality. And so I think the idea is that they want to try to keep everything behind closed doors so as to not give anyone an advantage. And of course, like you said, a lot of the rumors and you t- it does take a few years to figure out because you, it starts and you're, you're reading some no-name blog uh, and taking their word as fact. And then you know everyone will report on it, but they'll just say, you know, oh, this blog is reporting that this player is linked with XYZ. And it really just, it though it has absolutely no basis, it's probably just an agent leaking information to try to make a, get a better deal for their client. Uh, it just gets widely reported and then it kind of just blows up from there. And it, it is it is really interesting because even when you do get an interview with a player, it just seems like there's it's very largely just kind of canned answers. And the players don't really get a chance to express themselves like you commonly, more commonly see in uh in american sports like just thinking of players like richard sherman or other players like that in recent years who have really not been afraid to speak their mind there really isn't much of that in world soccer yeah and it's 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 very uh it's very interesting and i think the the problem that they create because of that because of that culture um is that the the smallest thing is magnified because there's so little reaction coming out that I use the Gomes example, but they, they'll stretch the littlest thing into something much greater. 
Um, and you don't see that. You'll see some of the sensationalism here, but t- typically it's because you've got something that's you've got somebody saying something that that has some some real context to it. Um, but it's it can be frustrating for I think for American fans in particular because we as Americans we follow other sports, we follow other teams. We're used to hearing from our favorite players so often. If you're a fan of a Premier League club, you're you're simply not not getting that. Um, I, I think we've all learned, and this is where maybe it is, is somewhat similar to America, where you you know who to trust and who not. In the NFL, you know to trust what if Adam Schefter says something's happening. It typically will. We look to Paul Joyce and people like that. If we see Paul Joyce tweets it, we we pretty much know. Hey, this is this is now real. Um, but you have to you have to kind of work your way through work your way through all of the noise. Um, and I remember when I first started following Premier League football, and somebody gave me the link to the News Now UK, and I, I, I was like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> because you early on you don't know any better, and you're, it's, it's it's the transfer season, and you're refreshing that every hour, and you just absolutely can drive yourself insane. <laughs> I think all those are good points. And speaking of Paul Joyce specifically, he actually tweeted like four days ago saying that Leipzig has indeed bid for Adam Lookman again, a second consecutive transfer window, I believe, or maybe a third. And yeah. essentially he said 15 million pounds rejected by Everton. They don't, Everton specifically do not want to get into some sort of bidding war, just get to a proper valuation and essentially want to get it done. How do y'all feel about, you know, the fact that maybe Everton, I think the fan base as a whole agree that we need some more attacking talent, even though we did sign players like Bernard Richarlison last year. And then Lookman being, or has been a very promising prospect for the first team for a couple of years now, obviously did well with Leipzig. I think there has been some question about Lookman's satisfaction here. Um, maybe his relationship with Marco Silva. And I think that's just a lot of reading into maybe body language on the pitch. Um, I don't know that he's spoken publicly about any dissatisfaction with um, his his role at Everton or his relationship with Marco Silva. Um, I think he's a difficult case. There's a lot, As we know, there's a lot of attrition that needs to happen and is happening now. Uh, with Everton to get players off the books, uh, to open up funds and opportunity for uh, for new transfers. And um, Adamola Lookman is one of these guys who there is there is strong future value in in that young man. And it's a difficult call to make, um, but Marcel Brands is going to have to decide just kind of weigh what's the value in what we could get in return for him versus his potential value at Everton. Um, But I'll go back to, I think it is very important at some point you have to start building depth in your squad and it can't always be addition by subtraction, which I feel like Everton has been doing for years. Um, At some point you have to start building depth in your squad, but Lookman's he's he's a difficult decision because he's he's a very talented young man and I would I would love to see him realize his potential at Everton, obviously. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. I think Adam Lookman is probably one of the most polarizing Everton players over the last two or three years because it just seems like every time he comes on or most times he comes on, he's usually as a sub because he doesn't start ever. Um, he seems to be able to make an impact and really show something. But then week in, week out, he just wasn't able to break into the first team. And we saw last year, Alex and I were, you know, furious or just, you know, stupefied at the fact that he wasn't able to get into the team over Theo Walcott, who was underperforming for large stretches of the season. And I think at this point, it's kind of just gotten to a a time where if we do need Adam Adam Lookman for squad depth, I don't think that that really aligns with what Adam Lookman needs for his career because he's now going on basically three years of having been about to break through. And he really needs to be able to get that consistent game time at a high level to show what he's capable of. And a lot of the speculation um, that that's come from Adam Lookman, I think goes back to what we were just talking about with the media where we have no access. And like you said, Jeff, Adam Lookman has kept his mouth shut as far as any kind of discontent within the club. And so we're left with like one or two stories. There was the one time Marco Silva came out and, and you know, insinuated that he wasn't really seeing enough from Adam Lookman in training and then you just have all of the rest of this reading between the lines based off that one story that, oh, his attitude's bad. It becomes all just gets blown out of proportion. And if we could just get an honest interview with Adam Lookman and he said, you know, I'm frustrated or just spoke honestly about where he stands with the club, it wouldn't be this whole you have this, this very polarizing figure where some people think that he's going to be the next big thing. I just think there's been, it's gone on far too long where he hasn't cemented a place in the first team. And if we can get 25 million for him, which I think is where the rumored valuation forms at, I'd be sad to see him go because I know that he's going to be very successful at some club. And I just don't think that club's going to be Everton. And typically in, in my experience, when you see someone with a lot of talent, a lot of raw talent, uh, and you wonder why are they not playing uh, over over another guy, and and a lot of times those answers, th- those questions are answered during the week, um, but we don't have access to training, uh, and even here in America, we we often don't have access to uh, full access for for practices during the week. But that's typically where the answer lies. But you bring up a really good point. If by now he hasn't broke into the first team, is that is that twenty five million now? kind of a sell high kind of thing, um, the time might be right um, to find a place for him. And, and honestly, to do the best thing for him as well. Um, you, you want as an, as an organization, as a, as a club, you want to do the best thing for your players as well. So if the best thing for, for Everton is to cut their losses and, and sell high and, and get the 25 million, put that to good use. But at the same time, get Lookman in a place where he can achieve his potential. And, and is it, is it sad, sure to see a guy leave and then later on see him succeed somewhere else? Well, but that's the reality of the business. Um, the bottom line is our situation with the club right now, um, somewhat of a project building something, the, it, the goals for the club, Lookman might not fit in that and that's fine. And if he goes somewhere else and achieves success, then let's be happy for him. But uh, I agree with you. I think, I think maybe the the time is right to, uh, to find another home for him. So gentlemen, before we transition 
and kind of knock out the last couple of of topics, specifically outgoings and some info about tournaments going on. We have someone reaching out or reached out on Twitter, Patrick at Patch Smith twenty one. He's moving to Phoenix, Arizona. He's looking for Evertonians. We retweeted his um, kind of cry for essentially some networking opportunities on Twitter to find people in the area, Phoenix, Arizona. So reach out to him again. It's at Patch Smith 21. Hit him up because we really want to help him out. It's all about being a community, specifically American Toffees, American Everton fans. So hopefully, Patrick, if you're listening, that helps. Yeah. All the all the best luck to Patrick. I can't remember exactly. So he's in Phoenix. There, I'm sure that there's some sort of Arizona Evertonian group. I think they got tagged in the tweet. Um, not sure if, if if it's based in Phoenix or not. But if if it isn't, there's always there's never a better time to start than than today in this season because I think based on the business that we're doing, I think we're really well poised to have a really exciting season. And unfortunately, I say that almost every single year because I can talk myself into Davy Classen and Sandro and us lighting up the league. But uh, this this time, I think it might be for real. So let's talk about tournaments right quick. Yeri Mina, who was essentially touch and go all last season because of injuries, he actually made who scored's best 11 for the Copa America, which is fantastic, specifically because assuming the squad is sitting the way it is right now, we see that Yeri Mina is most likely going to be partnering Michael Keane as starting center backs. Yeah, it's really good. Hopefully, if Yeremina can stay healthy, I, I still think he can be a really, really strong Premier League center back. I think Mason Holgate can give him a run for his money, some different competition and a diff- bit of a different profile for a center back. Um, and, and the rumors for Kurt Zuma are looking less and less favorable as Chelsea continue to just pump their social media full of videos of him t- pretending to look happy, even though we all know deep down he wants to come back <laughs> to Everton. Um. So whether or not we can get that deal done, I'm starting to think the Zuma deal is just going to be prohibitively expensive based on the like Harry Maguire for 80 million. If Harry Maguire is an 80 million dollar or 80 million pound center back, Kurt Zuma is at least 50, if not higher, in my opinion. Um, so, but if we have Yari Mina to fall back on, I feel somewhat confident. It's just the injuries that kind of just are, are a red flag, obviously. Yeah, the the injuries are the are the concern. He, he seems to be a guy who um, I don't necessarily believe certain players are, are snake bit, but but certain players are are, are injury prone. Um, he's had a variety of issues, but uh, his his length and athleticism and his strength, I, he he brings a lot to this club and. I'm really not. Um, I'm not anticipating Kurt Zuma uh, being in blue next season. Everton blue um, next season. Yeah. Um, just because of the way everything is kind of playing out. So that being assumed, um, then he, he just need to keep Yari Mina healthy. I don't know how you can. You just you just hope that he kind of turns the corner in that respect because he he has he has a lot of he has a lot of talent. Um, Twenty four years old, six five. Um, he just he just brings he brings so much to the club. And then uh, following up on that, we've got Adrissa Ganagay, who's playing in the Afcon African Cup of Nations final with Senegal versus Algeria, I believe. Uh, Riyad Mahrez scored. Is it Egypt? Oh no! 
Is it? I'm pretty sure it's Algeria because Mares scored that free kick in like the 95th minute yesterday. Ah, then it's Algeria. It's yeah, I believe they play Algeria on Friday. Yeah, Senegal, yes. Algeria, Algeria, Friday, uh, three o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Should be a good game. We've got uh, Ghana and Sadio Mane, of course, playing for Senegal. So uh, the city of Liverpool's clubs well represented there. Yeah, I mean, that's a big achievement for him. He actually, I think he scored the winning goal in the semifinal, and it was actually a quite impressive run from deep. If you've been following Everton for long enough to know Ghana very well, you know that most of the time, any shot taken by Ghana is not under 20 feet, let alone on target. So that was fantastic to see, really exciting. And I hope that he can win some silverware with Senegal and the African Cup of Nations. And hopefully he stays at the club this summer. And that just him paired with Richarlison winning the Copa America just continues to push us. We just need, we continuously need to be adding winners to the club, whether they're whether they're manufactured or added, such as Fabian Delph. So my only two uh, words that I have for Ghana Gay, don't sell. Um, we saw him really, really take a significant step forward last season, and he's continuing to do that in international play. And uh, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see him uh, this season, and I do not believe he will be sold. I think I believe he'll be a part of the Everton club this season. Yeah, I think we're going to hold strong on Ghana. I don't. People were saying is Fabian Delft coming in mean that Ghana's on his way out? I I just yeah I, I don't see that really happening at all. And if it was to happen, I don't think that I don't think they signed Delft with any kind of you know intention of him being a, a gay replacement because they're not really similar in the way that they play. Um, but yeah. The, Best of luck to him in the final, and hopefully, like Alex said, bring home some some silverware uh, for, to his nation, which I'm sure would be a, a massive achievement for him. All right, guys, so let's wrap things up with some outgoings. All of these, I think, within the last week, like since we last recorded, which is pretty impressive. We mentioned it earlier, but Anthony Robinson, uh, the American toffee at the club, although we did sign um, one of the younger guys, goalkeeper Nico Hansen, to a contract. He has officially transferred permanently to Wigan for an undisclosed fee. He spent 10 years at Everton in the youth setup. And, you know, I I know a lot of us, specifically American fans, were hoping that he could become a long-term successor at left back, but understandably so. Luca Dean is is not even close to aging, per se, and he is world-class. So you can't blame the guy for wanting to move on and get Regular first I think as, a, as Americans, we always want the, uh, um, the the American to hang on. But uh, Anthony Robinson was, I think, believe he had comments uh, recently that he was hopeful of uh, of breaking into uh, the first team squad with with Everton. There's there's just simply no there's no role for him as we saw in in the Gold Cup. There's leading up to the Gold Cup, there was a lot of uh, development still left. Uh, I think there's a lot of talent. Uh, for him, I th- I think Wigan is is an excellent spot for him. I think he'll learn, he'll grow there, and it'll be interesting to see his potential. Would have been nice to to have seen him reach his potential with with Everton, but uh, again, uh, the, the club's goals are are, are simply uh, don't fit with uh, uh, with the development of Anthony Robinson. So. Um, best yeah, of luck to him at Wigan. And, uh, that you mentioned, Jeff, where he was saying he wants to break into the first team. Again, that is just kind of like 
the canned answer, what you would expect a player to say, because it's the professional thing. It's what you want them to say realistically. And it it kind of just became very clear that there was never really going to be a spot for him. He's got a lot of development left to do. And I think with Wigan is a really, really good spot for him to be. Um, And another player who actually, I think does have a pathway to the first team at at some point is Joe Virginia, who has been loaned out to Reading for the season. Good move for him, I think. There was potential with the signing of, uh, oh man. Jonas Lossel. Yes, sorry. Jonas Lossel that, you know, there's no real spot for Virginia in the first team, though that was floated about. And so hopefully he'll get some minutes for Reading. He's a very highly rated prospect, and I think a year on loan uh, will do him some real good. Now, continuing with the trend of loans, actually the rest of the of the guys we have on the list are all loan moves. Kieran Dowell, went on loan to Derby County. And for those not familiar with the new Derby County manager, Philip Koku, he was the manager at PSV when, or one of the managers at PSV when Marcel Brands was there. And I think that really highlights the relationship Brands has with specifically the manager Koku because Brands knows his style of football, probably understands that Kieran Dowell could ideally flourish there. It's it's pretty similar in attacking um, minded kind of brand of football like Marco Silva. And so in my opinion, this is probably his last chance at Everton to show something on loan and and come back and force his way into the first team. And and I say that from Everton's perspective as well as his perspective. Yeah, I agree, Alex. It's he can be a late bloomer, but at some point you just have to cut your losses. And he's been really highly touted since he came up through like the U eighteens, U seventeens, but Again, the depth chart just isn't really in his favor at the moment. If you've got Gilfie Sigurdsson, you've got Bernard, who can potentially play at the 10, though we've yet to see it. Now you've got Tom Davies rumored there. And and so it just, if he can really show, you know, Koku came in as Frank Lampard's replacement, who of course moved on to Chelsea. And so a new manager, new club, going to be a lot of changes going on. Hopefully he can kind of cement himself early and really just stake his claim and say, look, I am ready to make the step to the Premier League. But that remains to be seen. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, development left to do for Kieran Dowell, but all the best to him on a season-long loan. All right, boys, we got a throwback for you. This man joins FC Emin, never heard of it, on a two-year loan to see out his contract, Shani Tarashaw. He was supposed to be the next Swiss, I don't even know, wonder kid, I guess. And all of a sudden, we never. I don't even think we saw him in a blue shirt on the, in the first team since he signed under Martinez. Yeah, he's a bizarre one. He was in, I believe he's in the Swiss squad for the 2016 Euros, which was kind of where he caught everyone's eye. And he's just been, he's been struggling with injury and kind of just a complete flop at the youth level. And who he's been sent out on loan a couple of times and has done absolutely nothing. It's unfortunate because again, he was very highly touted and, and Martin has said, had some really favorable comments about him when he signed, but just another youth player that never really worked out. And so I guess we just add him to the list along with the last guy on the list, Luke Garbit, who's gone out on Luke is another guy with a switch and he, another one that just seems like they're never really going to cut it. And that's, there's not too much. Luke Luke is another guy with just a lot of raw talent. I think it's been about now he's 26 and you wonder, you got it. um, If uh, I, I believe his future might be at Ipswich town, maybe, um, he signs a permanent deal there. A um, lot of talent with this kid. Been following him, um, but uh, he they're, they're, again, there just isn't there isn't a place for him on this on this depth chart. And uh, 
Um, you know, these last two guys, I think we've we've seen the last of them at Everton. And there's no shame in that, right? Like, there's no shame in not being able to break into a what is now a very ambitious Everton side with hopes to break into the Champions League places. Like, doesn't mean they're a bad player, and and all the best to all of them, and hopefully they have very successful careers at whatever level they find themselves at. And I believe that. I mean, if you can if you can keep yourself in the conversation at Everton over several years, and it was made clear when Harry Brands system, came in that there's still value in you as a player, a, and, and I hope a, that they achieve great things at, at wherever they find to, themselves to get off the, the books. There, there was going to be a lot of attrition uh, with this club, and and we're seeing that we're seeing far more outgoings than we are incomings, and that's fine because that's part of the project, that's part of the building process. Um, so it, it, it's interesting to watch and see where these guys land, and it'll be uh, fun to see uh, how well they do and, and what their future holds. And as terrible as this sounds, I hope there are plenty more outgoings, preferably permanent, because we still have plenty of work to do in that on that side of the of, tra- of the transfer window. Yeah, I totally agree, and and we still have a, over a month left, so plenty of time for Marcel to uh, sneak sneak around, do some back. Uh, backroom dealings and then have it break like two minutes before it actually uh, actually is finalized, which I personally am a big fan of the way he does his business and I've been very impressed all around. Oh, um, just but excited that's, for uh, the that's season. the list of topics uh, for today. Thank you for having me and uh, Jeff, be happy to come really on anytime. appreciate you joining us. It's been a pleasure. Any last words? Alex, any last words? No, thanks, Jeff. We really appreciate you coming on again. And we also look forward to the season. I think Again, I just I really think that Fabian, Fabian Delph is going to be a solid signing, and hopefully, if you believe uh, just a third next of the episode, we're going we to have a very successful win against Monaco, and maybe um, another signing. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the by the rumors, just the names that are out there. So, if there's any truth to it, uh, things are looking good. Yeah, some really ambitious targets. More to come. We'll be back with you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're still listening now, be sure to uh, join our Discord. We have the links on both our Facebook page and uh, Twitter. And also join our Fantasy Premier League league, which has actually, we've got like 60 people in it now. So should be pretty competitive. Should be a lot of fun. Um, definitely check it out. And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.